0: Those of you that were uh, here a couple of weeks ago might remember that I said that James chapter 1 was a little bit like um, the whole kind of routine on a plane where the stewardess, the cabin crew, go through the safety routine and they say, if you should experience a loss of cabin pressure, a mask will fall down in front of you. Please make sure that you put your mask on and make it fit before you try to help anybody else. And James chapter 1 is very much in that kind of mould. That James is saying, before you look out and, and get involved in all that I'm going to be talking about, make sure that your relationship with God is right. Make sure that you've got your oxygen mask on. So that you can be of help and influence. others, And there's certainly a a, a good deal of that in in the heart of this passage, that sense of making sure that you get yourself right. Either side of of that kind of oxygen mask bit, which really is is verses 21 through to 25. There are some really practical issues that, that James looks at. He highlights in verse 19 and 20 and then again in 26 and 27, really practically how our conduct must reflect our conviction. See, God is interested in how we live. He wants us to submit our emotional responses in verse 19, our anger. He wants us to submit our reflexes, like how we speak, using our tongue. He wants us to submit our attitudes to the marginalized and to others, our relationship with a broken world. He wants us to submit to his authority and power. He's saying to us, we are not passive in these things. And that will come out as we just look through the heart of this passage, that we are not passive. It's not good enough to say, well, I couldn't help it, that's just me, that's the way it it is. But actually, if we struggle with anger, if we struggle with how we use our, our tongue and regret it later, We need to submit that to God's authority and ask him to help us. Each of those themes actually comes out in more detail through the rest of the book of James. And so I'm not going to be able to, to spend too much time on those issues in verses 19 and 20 and 26 and 27 today we're going to come back to them through the course of the next few weeks where James develops each of those themes. But I want us to look now at the heart of this passage. I'd like us to focus on verse 21 because actually that's the key to this passage. Verses 23 to 25 flow on from this as we consider faith that brings freedom freedom through the word of truth we heard that in verse 18 when we were considering the passage just before this freedom in the perfect law that gives freedom we'll come on to that in just a minute But before we do that, and kind of building on the illustration we saw earlier, I wonder if you can work out who this person is that I'm describing. About 10 days ago, FA Cup match, Arsenal against Leeds. By all accounts, a bit of a doer affair, not terribly exciting. Nil nil, stalemate and then on comes one man anyone know who? Thierry Henry an ex-Arsenal hero playing in America now but having a little bit of a, a winter break and he's come to play for Arsenal again received back like a hero and the fairy tale happens he comes on gets the ball scores the winning goal within minutes of him coming back I was skipping around our kitchen. It was great. Angela was just looking at me. Yes, dear. But I was really excited about that. (laughs) Pray for me. But you know, in November 2009, it was all a wee bit different for Thierry Henry. You see, he hit the headlines for a different reason. Because the TV cameras... And the press photographers caught him, clear as day, handling a ball to control it, to bring it back into play. And as it drops to the ground, having handled it, which you're not allowed to do, by the way, that's against the rules of football. You are not allowed to handle the ball. He handles it, brings it down, bang, scores a goal. And he scores a goal that means that the team that France are playing against are eliminated from the World Cup and they go through and there is outrage. What a cheat! What a cheat! He's vilified in the press because he's broken the laws of the game. Why am I telling you this other than to let you know that I love football the point is that when something like that happens we very quickly appeal to the rules we say that is not on, look you can see him actually almost holding the ball that's not on in football we say the rules are important we've got to keep them, fair's fair what happened to fair play is the clarion call particularly from the Irish press which I understand, because they were, they were done out of a place in the World Cup. But you see, when we play by the rules, we can play with freedom. If we like football. Whatever is your game or your sport or your activity, if we play within the rules, you can do it with freedom to do that to the best of your ability. But when someone cheats. Well, we like to get on our high horse, don't we? Let me just read verse 21 to you. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. This is addressed to Christians. Paul is speaking to people who have said they follow Jesus as Lord. And he's addressing it to individuals, to me, to you as individuals. Get rid of all moral filth, and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. See that, that's not about kind of encouraging some censorship crusade out there to get rid of the moral filth out there. James is saying what about you? What about me? Where am I sinning? Falling short of God's perfection? It's part of our fallen nature, our thought life, our attitudes, our unthinking remarks and reactions. Things that we do that we know aren't right, even if we try to justify them. James is saying, confess it. Admit our failings. But don't just admit them, get rid of them. It says... Get rid of all moral filth. It's, it uses a word that's a little bit like take stuff off. Take off a garment that is filthy and get rid of it. It's an image that is used, Paul uses it as well. I had a bonfire on Friday afternoon. I like a good bonfire, it's great particularly when it goes out and you have to try and stoke it and all that, but by the time I came in as dusk fell, I stank of wood smoke. In fact, I went to pick the girls up from school and they got in the car and said, oh, it stinks in here, because all my clothes were permeated with the smell of wood smoke, which is kind of nice at the time, but then afterwards it's a bit stale and horrible. And the only way to do it was to get them off and get them in the washing machine, put clean clothes on. And that's kind of the image that I want you to take here. Get rid of all moral filth. And the evil that's so prevalent, that that does press in around us in the media, in conversations, in attitudes, in relationships. So many opportunities for us to, to just stumble in the heat of the moment. You can almost understand Thierry Henry handling the ball. Should have held up his hand and said, ah, oh, no, no goal. But you can understand in his desire to compete that he would, just a reflex, but then he needs to admit to it, which he did afterwards, but it was a bit late on that particular occasion. So the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to confess and deal with the sin that is there. And we do that by coming to Jesus and asking forgiveness, saying, I I turn from my way and ask your forgiveness and your help. And we'll do that before we come to communion as we share in a meal that represents the forgiveness that is freely available to all who would believe in Jesus as Lord but I want us to now have a quick look at the second half of that verse humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you, which can lead you to freedom. And I want us just to consider some of these words for a moment, because I think they're helpful to consider one by one, and they will give us a a bearing on verses 22 to 25 so let's look first of all humbly remember James is talking to Christians people who might think that actually yes I'm an all right person because I've got Jesus in my life and therefore I don't need to change anymore and James is saying humbly accept the word planted in you why humbly Some translations of the Bible actually use the word in meekness, accept. The philosopher Aristotle, wrestling with this idea of meekness, is it praeotes, Malcolm? Praeotes, in Greek. Wrestling with that word, Aristotle, tried to define it by saying that meekness, is the mean ground, the plum middle, between extreme anger and extreme angerlessness, between complete violence and passivity. Meekness is in the middle. It's gentleness with steel running through it it's not passive, rolling over. But actually, Aristotle decided that it was, it was the secret of composure and equanimity. So somebody that is meek will gently, but with strength, conduct themselves and James is saying do that, gently but with strength because actually it takes strength to say yeah, I, I messed up there I find that really difficult and I'm sorry it takes strength to do that and to not then run in and try and justify yourself so humility is needed In Christian terms, we might say that rather than that being self-controlled, it's actually about being God-controlled. Asking God to help us to respond. So that's the first word that I'd love us just to have a picture of, humbly, in meekness. Second word is accept Again a little bit like humbly it could be misunderstood to be something of weakness of passivity to just accept something. But actually here James is asking us to make an active choice to accept and do something with I got this from my in-laws at Christmas. To Andy. Love, Ian and Sue. A nice, shiny spade. Say again. Brand new. new. Yeah. Unused as yet. I am thrilled to bits with my new spade. Because actually I've bust two spades digging the man's garden. And so I'm thrilled to bits with my new spade. but it's kind of squeaky clean, isn't it? I've accepted this gift, but I haven't used it. And until I use it, it's just an ornament sitting in my house, cluttering up the hallway. You've been very kind, actually, not telling us to go and put it in the shed. It's been there for for a few weeks now. But until I actually accept this by sticking it in the ground oops, and starting to dig and seeing the mud and the clay get on it it's, it's useless really it's very pretty but it, it's of no great use so we need to accept something and do something with it that's not passive then the word humbly accept The word that features repeatedly through this chapter and indeed starts at verse 18 with the word of truth, then verse 22 and verse 23. By verse 24, it develops from the word of truth into the law, the perfect law that gives freedom. What is the word? that's been speaking, spoken of here. Well, we could probably go, go through a whole sermon just on that. But simply put, here's the teaching of Scripture. Fulfilled in Jesus, as we saw in the Sermon on the Mount series in Matthew earlier last year. He came to fulfil the law, not to abolish it. Because the law was given that we might live in freedom as God intended. The people of Israel were free when they were given the law of Moses. They'd been released from captivity. And the law was there to allow them to live in freedom. But of course, they kept bungling. And they kept bungling. And God is faithful. And God was faithful to the people of Israel. And one day he spoke to the prophet Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, he says this. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Because the people of Israel had let him down time and again. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. A new covenant Jeremiah was announcing. And that is what's planted in us, just as Jeremiah describes here, planted within us is the word of truth, the law that brings freedom, is planted within us as we come to receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And we need to allow that to grow, to develop, to maturity, to bear fruit God wants his word to live within us. God wants for us to bear fruit and to grow to maturity. That's what James is tasked with, is instructing in this letter. And this word is a word that can save us, save us from our sin from our natural inclination to sin and the consequences of our sin, including death and separation from God. And James is urging us to see, follow Jesus because it's only through him that you can be saved from sin and death. It's only through him that you can come back to him when you mess up and humbly accept the word as it speaks to you. So we've spent quite a long time on verse 21. We're going to scoot very quickly through verses uh, 22 to 25 because they're important. Because actually it makes a point a little bit like the spade. There is no good simply to listen and nod sagely. Sounds about right. Yeah, I agree with that. It's no good simply to listen. We must live it. Verse 22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. There's a lovely image here in verse 23, 24 Someone that listens to the word. And by the way here, that word listens isn't like a cursory kind of feckless listening. It's an attentive listening. A person that listens to the word and, and does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's not the looking that is defective it's the going away and forgetting because he's not doing what the word says but the man who looks intently into the perfect law it's another word used for looks but it's it's no greater value of looking the point that James is making here is that he continues to look And do what it says not forgetting what he's heard but doing it he will be blessed in what he does so if we simply listen maybe we even wrestle intellectually with the truth of the word of God but we never live it and we're deceiving ourselves Let's live it. Let us take seriously God's word and live it. Please don't dilute it. Please don't pick and choose the bits that that seem okay or easier. Let's live the word of God so that we're not deceived. We need to recognise sin as sin and deal with it and not live with it trying to cover it over live in the light of Jesus' work on the cross because he came to bring us freedom let me read to you some words that I just think express this freedom so well as we come to close this morning Alec Mottier, in his uh, commentary on James, says this. True freedom is the opportunity and the ability to give expression to what we truly are. We are truly free when we live the life appropriate to those who are created in God's image. The law of God safeguards that freedom for us. But it does even more, for obedience to that law brings life and power. The law of God is the law of freedom, because it safeguards, expresses, and enables the life of true freedom into which Christ has brought us. That's the blessing that James speaks of in verse 25. The blessing of a full life and a true humanity. And obedience is the key factor in our enjoyment of it. I'll maybe post that up on the news page of of the website because it's kind of hard to... to, uh, to catch all of that but I'll I'll put that up so that you can take a look again that's a lovely definition of freedom let's not just nod and walk out of here and just carry on as if this never happened rather let's do two things as we come to the Lord's table In a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer of confession. That we might confess our sinfulness. And I'd invite you, secondly, to commit ourselves to living this word out. You know, perhaps for some of you, the first step will be to humbly accept for the very first time that Jesus is Lord. Maybe for the very first time you recognise your need like my need for forgiveness. That you, like me, have fallen short of God's perfection and that you, like me, need a saviour. Maybe you need to reaffirm that position today or maybe there's a situation that you know you break the boundaries that God has set and you know that actually you need to bring that to the Lord and say help me, forgive me help me to put that right help me to have strength when I'm faced with that situation again that I don't fall in that way I noticed on Twitter last night a guy called Tim Keller who's a pastor of a church in in New York just said these words and they're just perfect for this morning said this as things are brought back under Christ's rule and authority they are restored to health beauty and freedom let's restore ourselves before God this morning to, to beauty and health and freedom in God's sight. Lord Jesus, we come to break bread and share wine in memory of you. A celebration which should sum up everything that binds us together, yet the reality is different. This sacred supper can often be one of the rare occasions we make time to think of you. One of the few concrete expressions of our faith. Loving Lord, forgive us. We speak of proclaiming your death through this meal until you come. But the rest of our life fails to testify to your death and resurrection We claim that as there is one loaf, so we, though we are many, are one body. But our fellowship can so easily be superficial, lacking depth or substance. We say that whoever comes to you will never hunger or thirst again, but so frequently we rely on ourselves rather than you. And so we miss the opportunity to be truly satisfied. Loving Lord, forgive us. We talk of following you, of taking up our cross and serving others. But the truth is that we can be willing to sacrifice little, more concerned with serving ourselves than those around us. Loving Lord, forgive us. Lord Jesus, in so many ways we fail you. The way we live, denying the faith we proclaim at this table, we have no right to be here, no reason to expect your love. Yet you call us to share together. Your invitation dependent not on our goodness or obedience, but on your sheer and inexhaustible grace. So we come now, conscious of our sin, but rejoicing in your mercy. Praising you for your unfailing love which enables us to come in confidence and to seek once more your pardon and your help to live in the power and freedom of your ways. Putting right what we have done wrong. Loving Lord, forgive us. Hear our prayer.